Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Obviously, tonight's Instagram Live. I'm really excited to uh, to have this one tonight with uh, Dennis Armfield, football AFL football legend, uh, Carlton champion. Hi, Rochelle. How are you? So I'm just going to see if Dennis is on yet. Cody, good to see you. Here he is. Here he is. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. How are we? Very well. Yourself? Oh, can't complain. Figuring out technology. New way of world, uh, isn't it? Your first Instagram live you mentioned just before. Yeah, mate. I'm yeah, I'm breaking a lot of rules this week and in, in isolation <laughs> at the moment. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, look, it's amazing what a bit of isolation does. It makes you think outside the square and, and it just forces us to do things differently, doesn't it? So... Oh, mate, I've had more Zoom, more Skype, more stories and more... I've seen my face that many times, mate. I'm getting over it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I think I did my first Instagram Live last week and I think this is my fourth now, so... Uh, yeah, wow. You're, flying. You're a veteran, yeah. mate. Well, still figuring it out, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's great. So, yeah, look, I had um, just some feedback from some of my followers over the past sort of week or so just about... Uh, the mental game. Obviously, I specialise in golf, and, and and I've you know done the mental performance side of sports for a long time. But with this isolation period, just getting a lot of different points of view, a lot of different thoughts on 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 mental performance, both in and outside of sport. I think you know one of the reasons I really thought of you the other day was uh, I work with a a young uh, basketballer who she's just got a scholarship to college in the US, and she was only about. I think two months away from going to start her college career when, when all of this happened and now she's obviously still back here in Melbourne and we were having a chat the other day just about the, uh, I suppose, a little bit of struggles between athletic identity and self-identity um, and knowing that the book you wrote with that transformation from, you know, the sporting world to life after professionals, I thought, you know, you would be just the perfect person to to give a little bit of feedback and insight into that journey for yourself, because I know a lot of uh, a lot of elite athletes that uh, that I work with and that that um, that we both know sort of struggle with that as well. So um, yeah, mate. Like first yeah. of all, appreciate that. I, I know I know the feeling. You know, I was I talk about it in my book that since I was a little wee tacker, mate, I was known as the the sports person. I was quick at running. I was you know good at t-ball when i played it and always had that title the sports title attached to my name and don't get me wrong there was parts of me that really did love that but um when you get to the end of an afl career and and i was fortunate enough to retire which some people don't get that opportunity but when you do call into it it, who am i now and and it's a it's a big question that a lot of people can struggle with and I, i struggled with it um not because i played football for fame or anything like that it was more it was just a title and it gave me that sense of self-worth it gave me a, a position in what is a big world and yeah when i transitioned away from football it was probably the first i remember round one um starting up and i couldn't watch it uh, it was richmond versus carlton and i'm a i love my good mates at the carlton footy club but i couldn't watch it i was yeah not being that title anymore not being dennis armfield the carlton footballer and sort of not ever having that sports title again really i'm not good enough golfer unfortunately so i can't be there um but i i soon realized through just um working on my mental game and and having conversations with people that are important to me that 
there's so much more to me. I'm Dennis Armfield, a husband. I'm Dennis Armfield, a, a son. I'm Dennis Armfield, a good mate. I'm Dennis Armfield, a worker, you know, and um, there's so much more to me than just the football. And I think it took me some time, but unfortunately, sport's probably one industry where we know it's probably going to end. There yep. is an end date. Yep. Maybe not golf. You can probably, there's some guys playing around for a while, but um, yeah, I think yeah. It's, it, it was good for, I think if I had any advice for, for younger blokes or, and women that are going through the sporting field is to don't have your all your eggs in one basket and make sure that you are yeah. chasing that, that next story and that next passion and the next self-worth because that can help you a lot just having that in place. Yeah, great. I mean, that's... Firstly, just want to say hello to, to everyone that's uh, that's tuned in tonight. Uh, Brody, especially Brody, asked me a question on Twitter about 20 minutes ago. Apparently, he's a bit of an IT nuffy, and he uh, he he wasn't so sure about the Instagram thing. But all of a sudden, he's uh, he's up here and, and joined us. So uh, so good on you, Brody. But um, yeah, look, I think it's it's such an inbuilt and ingrained part of our psychology. Uh, you know when when we're elite athletes, that when we're younger and we're doing well in sport, everyone, you know, it's the first thing they ask us at the Christmas the, the dinner or a birthday function. Oh, how's your football going? How's your tennis going? And it's just, it unconsciously becomes just a part of how you see yourself. And, you know, for the most part, when things are going well on the sporting field, we do feel, you know, obviously pretty good about ourselves. But inevitably, when shit does hit the fan, that can have a pretty big impact on a lot of our own self-identity. So, um, you know, going back, if we go back to the beginning of your football career, like when did you start playing and when did you really start thinking that you wanted to do this as a career? Yeah, it's probably funny, mate. A lot of people know my journey now. It's a little bit old, but I grew up playing rugby union until yep. I was um, 17 years of age. Um, played, a couple yep. of games, played a couple of games of school footy, mate, but I was rugby versus footy and... I was on the rugby side, that's for sure. And um, but one year, obviously, I'm like again, my titles were sport, and I love sport, and that was where I sort of set, saw my self belonging. And um, when I couldn't make the the local rugby game, rugby training, I thought, well, I'll go and join some mates at footy. And it probably wasn't for about half a year until I sort of got told you, you're actually half decent, like you got an opportunity here and I was, yeah, later to the game I guess, so I put my name in for the draft and missed out on my first year, missed out on my second year and then when you put your name in, you're actually in there for three years and in my third and final year I was like, I'm just going to play for fun and, and let my mind be a little bit freer, it was clogged with so much pressure, it was clogged with so much expectation and so much um, yeah, I think future focus that I sort of got lost in my thinking and um, wasn't really caught in the moment and I was hyper, like super analytic, like I was in my, my own head yeah. all the time and um, in my last year yeah. I thought, stuff it, I missed out twice, I've got nothing to lose, let's just go and play and, you know, I, I literally lived my football journey minute by minute yeah. and uh, I ended up playing some really good footy and I thought I'm actually a fair chance here and at the end of that year I heard whispers that Carlton were going to maybe get me as a rookie but that was probably the yeah. best chance. And on draft day, mate, I went to Swannies and I was at the, the Swan Districts and I was at just a beach recovery session and they, one of my mates goes, oh, yes, Dennis, well done, drafted, pick 19 to Geelong. And I was sort of got my hopes up and I was really excited. And then he goes, no, I'm just yeah. joking with you. And then about half an hour later, one of the dads that was there up on the hill at the beach yelled out, like, Dennis, pick 46 to Carlton. And I said some obscenities that I probably won't say on here, mate. Like, just I'm over the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you can all go and get stuffed. And um, ended up going back to my car. I actually got a lift with a mate 
and um, went back to his car and my phone was in there and I had about three or four missed calls and yeah that was the history really um, and then made the move over to Melbourne and yeah I was a cult footballer. So how did you go in those first the first year or two um, now I've I've got to apologise for the captain. The last couple of Instagram lives, I've um, I've had a fair bit of shit thrown my way just because of the um, the shiny bright light that sits right. on my sits I'm on my forehead. So yeah, I haven't been I haven't been uh, shining that. That's just uh, that's just the light. And um, but yeah, how did you go those first couple of seasons? Not going back into that sort of analytical mode. You know that that just the trying too hard, the, the overthinking and, and that sort of stuff? Or did it take you a few years to sort of get out of that mode? No, probably the opposite, mate. I came in there with just, this is my chance. I'm going to make the most of it and yeah. work hard, but yeah. I've got a free crack. Um, you know, I'm in a position yeah. that a lot of people don't make. Yeah. It, probably, it probably wasn't until my probably third, fourth and fifth year where the analytical side came back. Yeah. The, the expectation became more, the pressure became a lot larger. I wasn't just able to get away with, right, he's a young fella that can make a few mistakes. And um, so then I started to really probably overanalyze and I became real, a real pessimist, um, which isn't something I'm proud of, but I'd always yep. expect, I'd always expect the worst. So I would sit there yep. and I'd say, I'm not getting picked. I'm not getting selected. I'm going to get dropped. And that was my way of coping. So thanks again for all for joining. Um, as you can see in the conversation so far, he's got uh, Dennis just got so much insight into, I suppose, his journey in regards to uh, the the athletic identity. And there's some of the things that I really wanted to tap into, not just for for sort of my followers and my clientele uh, who are elite athletes, but just uh, all of us in general. You know, who are struggling with that identity side of ourselves. So sorry, there mate. We go, mate. Must be the uh, must be the dollar. Sorry about that. Still on dial up in my area. <laughs> oh, I was just saying to everyone that uh, obviously we're all at home isolating. Oh. We're all using the internet all day, every day. It just, it's got to break down at some point. Oh, mate, it's, um, yeah, we're all on it. We're all using it. We're all trying to find new ways, yeah. mate. Yeah, bear with me. Yeah. I, yeah, I'll try to, I told, I told my wife to get off the phone so it didn't cut me off, mate. So we'll be right. <laughs> well, I hope we can get you in the doghouse there, mate. But um, <laughs> yeah. So I think we lost you at around just, you know, you were talking about um, how, you know, the expectations and the pessimism, uh, sort of pessimistic side of you kicked in um, yep. once those expectations. So just flow on from, from that, you know, just thinking that you weren't going to get selected and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, I sort of became real pessimistic. I started to um, expect the worst and um, I've soon sort of learnt that, if you expect the worst, it'll probably happen, and you're probably 100% right all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And, and um, I sort of battled with my own head a couple for a couple of years there. Um, yeah. And I was, I was probably always looking for others. I wasn't yep. looking internally. I was yep. always conscious of, oh, why is he getting picked? Um, why am I not? Or... I played better or I can play better. Um, yeah. And it probably wasn't until probably my sixth or seventh year, to be honest, where I started to go, you know what, control what you can control. Um, yeah. And that starts here. Um, and I started to just go, right, let's focus from the inside and portray that out. And um, I just worked hard on the track. I started to do as much work as I possibly could. Um, I 
sort of took the weight off my shoulder a little bit. Um, yep. I started to go to sort of one-year careers, and it was sort of like back in my last year of my um, like my draft before I got drafted. It was like, well, I got nothing to lose. I'm gone at the end of this year if I keep living the way I'm living, or I change yep. my ways and um, and hang on. And um, I was fortunate yep. enough to get three or four extra one-year contracts, and um, yeah. And then later in my life, mate, I, um, I've got a, like a, a motto sort of live to give and help people. And if I'm honest, it probably um, ended my career a bit quicker than I may have ended it um, because I was just so yeah. conscious of trying to get other people to do well and other people to be better that yeah. I probably forgot about myself a little bit and the old man didn't get any new tricks, mate, and he was soon gone out the door. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's it's something too. I had a pretty fixed mindset. I was pretty yeah. um, locked into my decision and it was like, I'm right. The way I want to look at things is right. And I slowly through maturity or through age or whatever you want to call it, I started to read into and experience things like growth mindset and um, hearing people's opinions and learning from others and looking for a different way to do things. Um, you know, stupidity is doing the same thing the same way and expecting different results. And um, that's probably how I yeah. was in the middle bit of my career. Um, yeah. So I started to develop these things in my game and I think um, that's what I had to do. I had to focus internally, focus in this and control what I can control. And, um, yeah, that probably kept me in the game for a lot longer. And, and not only that, mate, I ended up finding outlets that away from the game that really helped me too. Um, yes. You know, my community work with the hospital, the um, Odyssey House and, you know, Headspace and these organisations really just sort of gave me a, a sort of another lease on life that it put my sort of career in perspective a little bit that here yeah. I am sooking about a a two-week hamstring injury or something and you, and you yeah. sort of go to see how other people are living and that sort of put life in perspective and good yeah. or bad. Um, yeah. It doesn't work for everyone, but that worked a lot for me. Yeah, that's great. And I love what you said earlier about, you know, uh, that we're generally 100% right. If, we, if we're on that pessimistic side or we're on that optimistic side, we will generally prove to ourselves that we're right. Um, mm. You know, I say to a lot of the people that I work with, there's a, obviously the, there's a thing psychology called confirmation bias, which basically is we will act and behave in a way to confirm what we believe about ourselves. So if, if we believe we're going to throw in a shitty performance, then we will act and behave in a way that will, you know, just confirm that to ourselves. So it's, you know, if, if you, I mean, it's obviously... One, mental health and mental performance, sports psychology, obviously is very, very big nowadays. But if, if we, you know, rewind things back to when you were 17, um, 18, 19, I think, you know, when you, you started to get into AFL a bit later in your teens or 20s, um, early 20s, I think you got drafted, um, or 20, I think. Um, if, if you had access to the information that you've, you've sort of had access to the last four or five or six years, what do you think that would have done to yourself as a as an athlete? I would have been a half-decent player, I reckon, mate. Um, yeah. No, if I'm honest, mate, I would have been um, probably only coming out of the game now. I reckon I yeah. would have had a few more years in the game. I 
I think I would have had a, a larger impact in the game. Not that I, um, the roles I played and the things that I did was the team was always first. It wasn't about me. So yeah. um, I would have had an influence on more people in an earlier stage. Um, yeah. I think, um, but ultimately, I think I would have um, just enjoyed the journey a lot more. And I think that's the thing that uh, I loved footy and I've got fond memories of it and I'll, I'll never forget a lot of things, mate. But I think sometimes um, we can get caught in the past and we can get caught in the future and we don't really enjoy yeah. the middle land as much. And um, yeah. I think that's something that what I've learned now is, you know, like I never really stopped to think that I was running out on an MCG in front of 90,000 people. I never really stopped to think that I was representing a club that's been around for 150 about 100 years, you know, 150 years. And yeah. I never really stopped and thought, like, I'm in a room with some amazing people. I, I, I've never stopped to think that I'm sitting at a, a, a luncheon or a function with people that have done amazing things in their life and are continually doing amazing things. I, I, I never really stopped to think about the fact that, hey, I can walk in off the street to an organisation and offer my help and they actually want to receive that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And these are probably the things that uh, I'm very grateful for. I, I, I'm so grateful for my journey and I wouldn't change a thing, but these are probably things that I would have, if I could, I would have stopped and just enjoyed the uh, the present and been caught up in the present a little bit more instead of um, worrying about the past results and thinking yeah. about the future yeah. results and not really yeah. worrying about in between. Well, probably quite a relevant discussion point around where we all are currently with this corona yes oh. i mean i mean obviously this this situation it's it's going to you know negatively impact every single person like there's very few people that this situation won't negatively impact so keeping our mind in the present and not getting too caught up with the with the unknowns of the future i think is um pretty important message for us all to practice and even i know myself over the past couple of weeks I actually was was in the US uh, up until two and a half weeks ago and was had a month uh, of work booked in the US and had to come back after like nine days and I flew in just as they announced the 14-day self-isolation period for anyone coming back in but um, you know it was a really even as the days have rolled on now it's two and a half weeks after the fact that I flew in we still don't know much more or don't have any confirmation about what this where's where is this thing going to end or what it's going to do so how have you been i suppose taking some of those lessons that, that, that you've learned and that you you now teach to people about being in the present during this situation yeah look mate it's a it's a situation like you said that i i think the unknown and the uncertainty scares all of us um yeah. You know, if they come out and said it's going to be six months, well, we'll go, cool, we know what yeah. to face. But, yeah. you know, we've, um, I'll be first to put my hand up and say probably a month ago, mate, I was like, ah, it's just going to, we'll blow over and we'll be sweet and yeah. it's all just all just a bit of hype. And, um, hey, I'm the first one to admit I was totally wrong and um, yeah. apologise to all those people that I had an argument with with my stubborn <laughs> ways. But um, it's... Uh, Look, I think the thing that I've sort of um, really taken into account is the fact that we're all in it. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be some 
anyone that doesn't get through this unscathed in some shape or form, it might not be directly, it might be indirectly, but we're all in it. Yeah. I think the world's going to change in a literal way. Um, yeah. And my hope is that it changes for a positive because, yeah. um, and the thing for me, mate, is not to let the little things go. And I think um, the thing that annoys me about world is that busy's become a title. Um, yeah. It's almost yeah. like uh, who can be the most busiest person, and yeah, you know, you, yeah. you walk past someone and go, "Hey, you going?" It's like busy, and it's like cool. Like, I don't know anyone that wants to be bored that would be happy. Yeah. I don't, like, yeah. uh, if you come up to me and said I'm bored, like I'm struggling, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But my challenge is, is like, what are we busy about? And I think this coronavirus has brought in a great opportunity to to be busy about the right things, um, yeah. to be busy about what means most to me and you and everyone else, and. Yeah. I, th I think it's sort of exciting in a way, mate, and I'm, I'm looking forward to how people respond. And um, it's disappointing to hear about things like domestic violence and that going through the roof and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's because people haven't been proactive in their mental well-being and haven't invested yeah. in themselves and have been so caught in their self-worth in that title. You know, we all live on a business yeah. card, mate, and what's our title yeah. on that yeah. business card? And um yeah. We can get caught in that. You know, that's the sports version. That's what I lived as a sports yeah. person. Um, yeah. that, that was my title. And I think um, it can freak some people out. And it is yeah. freaking some people out, um, myself included at times. Um, yeah. But the exercises I'm doing, mate, is just worrying about what I can control now and controlling what I can control now, um, working on myself, working on my relationship, working on my yeah. friendships. I know we yeah. can't honor. I'm a community. I'm a social person. I thrive off being around people. I thrive yeah. off conversations. Um, the yeah. boys used to joke, mate, like I could talk to the cows come home. So yeah. um, I do thrive off that and I don't have that now, but that doesn't give me an excuse to not work on relationships and, and yeah. friendships and connections. And yeah. yeah, just trying to invest in myself and um, Use my time wisely. You know, a, a, a good mate of mine, Matty Runnels, he sort of said that we, we all have 14, 1,440 uh, minutes of a day. And yeah, what are, you, what are you doing in those minutes, you know, and, and yeah. make the most of them. So yeah. that's what I'm trying to do anyway. Yeah, mate, that's, that's great. I think that um, for me, that's – I have a big motto about less is more, you know, and, and uh, especially when people do say, you know, that they've been busy and – um, you know, athletes, oh, I've been, you know, training really hard and always bring up that conversation about hard versus smart and just um, especially because for most of us, we actually need, I think some of the clients that I've spoken to over the past couple of weeks, the thing that's come about by this isolation period is the opportunity to put some time aside to rest and recharge the batteries because they, when the world was normal a few weeks back, they would just have feel like they have to work harder than everyone else. So all day they're training and uh, when they get home, they're, they're not switching off. They're still working mentally and they were just, they were burnt out, you know, five stages past burnout before they even, they even knew it. So uh, I think this has given a lot of people an opportunity to just reset, recharge the batteries, chill out, do some good work for, you know, an hour here, a little break, an hour there, a little break, depending upon what industry they're in. But, you know, recharge the batteries. And we had a great question come in from Adam on, on Twitter about, you know, through your, 
your AFL days and, and, and even now the, what we just spoke about with the stress and anxiety that you, you know, have been experiencing through this coronavirus, what are some of the techniques that you use to manage stress, manage anxiety, uh, get yourself in a good state? Yeah, look, mate, my early day ones probably weren't the good ones. Um, <laughs> old, um, when I was pretty stressed, mate, I um, did beat up on myself a fair bit. Um, yep. And I'd look at early days. Uh, but I soon found, um, I think that was probably because I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. I was trying yep. to be, I, I guess without saying it rudely, a macho man. Um, yep. I was trying to be, hide my pain and hide my yep. emotions a little bit. Um, and it wasn't until I sat down with a good teammate in Lockie Henderson and had a good chat with him um, that I thought, stuff it. I'm, I'm going to live a life that I'm going to be the person that I am and be the real version yep. of me. You know what? If people don't like it, that's fine. If people judge me, that's fine. But at least I'm living my true life and being the best version of myself. And How long ago was that, mate? Um, it was probably the year I met my wife, actually. So what's that? Six years ago. Right. Um, six or seven years ago um and it's funny mate because you know i talk about relationships and stuff and all of my relationships i always tried to be someone different to match them I always tried to yeah. be and that was in life as well i tried to be different or to fit in to change to fit into whatever area i was in and i, sort of, I just sort of said stuff it i'm, I'm done i'm gonna be me yeah. if you don't like it i'll cry at movies mate i'll cry at in front of blokes, yeah. I'll cry while I'm addressing people. I'll sit down and watch maths, mate, and probably cry at times, mate. Um, hey, I'm with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, but I, and I sort of said the same when I went into the relationship with who is now my wife. You know, I said, stuff it. I'm going on this first date. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be who I am. If she doesn't like me for me, cool. And yeah. um, fortunately, mate, I um, charmed her over and that's worked. But um, and, <laughs> nice. and that was probably something that, I, I really try to teach people through Business Fire Club and what I do now post-footy is yeah. your your definition of success, your definition of who you are is is different to mine. And yeah. your calendar is filled up with the things that you want to get done. You'll, you'll find yeah. time to do whatever you want to do. And yeah. um, my challenge is fill it with what you want to do, not what other people want you to do. And... Yeah. Um, I think we're so busy trying to say yes to everything, please everyone else, that sometimes we forget ourselves and we forget to please yeah. please our mind and, and stop and reflect. And I, I loved how you sort of said it about right now in the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, we've been forced to slow down. We've yeah. been forced to stop. We've been forced to reflect and we've been forced to look at ourselves a little bit. And I'll sit there and go, we have two choices, and we really do. We have a choice of... Cool. I'm just going to sit it out and and yeah. come out the other side the same person that I was. Or yeah, you know what? I might read a book. I might do a mental well-being program. I might read, listen to a podcast. I might Google search some things that might help me. I might just look at myself and write down a journal. You know, or I might yeah. start this and and I think that's yeah. the the beauty of it. You've got a choice, and I know which choice I'm making, and I'm trying to encourage yeah. many more people to do the same choice because this is an opportunity to reboot and change the way we come out of this and, and change yeah. the way we live from, you know, 
we we couldn't keep sustaining the way we were, and I think, yeah, it excites me, mate. Yeah, look, and and I think too when uh, when I had a look at some of the stuff that you're doing and the reboot program, especially for this isolation period, um, I wanted to get you on and chat specifically about that because at the moment most of us are hurting, okay, and and I've been saying to people that. You know, we're, we're cut open at the moment. We're, we're bleeding. We've got an open wound, you know, where we all are actually really sort of hurting at the moment. So what's, what actually happens is whatever we pay attention to at the moment, whatever we are getting involved in, our thoughts, the way we're thinking, uh, what we're reading, what we're watching on TV, because we're bleeding, they're the things that are going to actually get into our bloodstream and actually become part of our DNA. So yeah, of course. It's really important, although it's a, you know it's a scary period. But the media aren't helping, like sensationalised things, and that's all that's on TV. So we can really get engrossed in it. But talk to me a little bit about this reboot program. So who's it? Who you know who's able to access it? I mean, I I looked at it before, and I know it's for everybody. But yep. who can access that actual program? Yeah, look, mate. The program's an online platform. Go to uh. Go to our website. Anyone can access it, mate. It's all yeah. um, in in today's society. Um, education needs to change a little bit. We're all on these things. We're all yeah. on screens. We're all on laptops. We got to be mobile. Um, yeah. So we created a, the reboot program. What you're specifically talking about is, well, ninety percent of us will be on this, mate. I just dropped out because the world's on it. My dial up broke down, but um, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's. Accessible for everyone, and it's not just for people that might want to invest in themselves. It could be for people that are operating at nine that just want to stay at a nine out of ten. You know, it could be people that are four yeah. and want to get to five. It's it's for everyone in between. It's it's an opportunity for you to stop, reflect, and adjust on who you are, where you were, yeah, who you are right now, and where you want to be when we come out the yeah. other side. Because we will come out the other side, and you know, we, yeah, it's a fourteen day program. It's um. Ideally, it was for isolation, which we we are in. Um, spent yeah. two days on seven topics, mate, talking about gratitude, strengths, mindfulness, um, opportunities, um, social connectedness. Um, I can't remember the other ones. I'll, they'll come to me. But, you know, there's seven topics yeah. that we just challenge you to one day. It's probably 30 minutes of work a day. So it's not. Yeah. And, yeah. and then the challenge is, is if you want to take it further, take it further. But. Day one's about discovering a topic and, and internally looking at yourself and day two is about living it and practising it. And I, I think, like I said, mate, I, I, I'm currently going through it. You'll see it all through my um, socials at the moment. I'm not a selfie person yeah. or, a, or something like that, but I think it's a story that I want to share and I'm, I'm yeah. doing it, you know. I'm doing yeah. it and yeah. um, I don't think it's – above uh, it's, i don't think it's below anyone i think everyone can do it and everyone should yeah. have a yeah. crack at, at looking at stuff yeah great and jack just threw in a threw in a really great question it's specific to him but i think jack you, you're not the only one mate i think there's a lot of us out there that are really struggling with motivation at the moment i know i had a day last weekend i'm sort of using this time to write an ebook um on the mental game of golf so mm. but i had one day here where i'm just like just did some exercise in the morning and didn't do a whole lot. Got to the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? Probably wasn't the most productive day, but at the same time, this is a really interesting and unique situation we're all in. 
we're all going to feel that, not to feel guilty about having those days because if we feel guilty about it, that's just going to put us further down the motivation level. So Jack was just asking, you know, how do you find motivation in a situation like this? Um, I think gratitude. I think gratitude is something that keeps me motivated. Um, mate, I'll put my hands up and say, like, I've had days in the last week or so where I just can't be bothered. Um, yeah. I'm fortunate enough that I've got a wife that doesn't let me sit on me couch too long and um, yeah. get, get yeah. going and do stuff and we try to get creative and that but yeah. you know I, I think um, something that really motivates me is we're all doing it tough we're all struggling we all have been impacted by this in some shape or form some more yeah. than others and um, but what has really come out of this is you know I used to take phone calls my dad lives in Perth I used to take phone calls with my dad like, oh, Dad, what do you want? You know, like, yeah. hey, mate, what are you doing? You know, and I sit there and go, hang on a minute. I've still got my dad in my life. He's, he's, and he wants to know. He wants to be a part of my life. And I, I did take that for, great, for granted, yeah. you know. And yeah. just those little conversations, you know. Today I, I got up and I just said, I'm going to go for a 10K run. Um, I've never done it before. I've never run that far in a continuous run before in my life. But I got up and... I had a good mate, Levi, come and join me. Now, we stayed yeah. two metres apart. Um, yeah. He was probably more 400 metres in front of me, so that was all good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 that sort of re-energised me. But then it was what happened after that that I sent him a text and I just said, Levi, like, I'm really grateful for what we just experienced. I said, in our busy world, we never would have done that. A, you're not allowed to run away from the footy club. B, there's no way I would have ran 10Ks in my life. See yeah. the conversations that we did through that through that run. Yeah, I was just like that. That gives me the motivation, and I think um, our people, our love, our gratitude is what's going yeah. to get us through this. Because yeah. ultimately, we're all going to be hurting at some time, and yeah. I'll put my hand up and say I could be hurting tomorrow. You know, yeah. And, yeah. But it's people like yourself. It's people like Jack. It's people like my wife Abby that will get me through this. And yeah. Um, it's okay to not be motivated every day. Um, yeah. That's like you yeah. said, it's, it's perfectly yeah. okay. But yeah. I think just being aware, being present in the now um, yeah. will help you with your motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jack, I mean, you know, what Dennis said there is just absolutely spot on. And it's interesting because there was a, a video released the, uh, the other day of Rory McElroy, who's a professional golfer, um, Obviously, one of the best in the world. Anyone that's got anything to do with golf will know, know Rory. And he uh, he was asked about his training and all that sort of stuff. And he said, I'm, I'm not training. He goes, I've realised that my motivation, a lot of it comes for training for something. At the moment with, with professional golf, there's no events for a couple of months. They're not training for anything. And Jack, I think our life can be similar. You know, we get up each day and we're working towards a goal and, and the goals might be quite short-term too. They might be weekly KPIs or whatever it is that we're working towards. And sometimes when they get put on pause or get taken away for a period of time, we can lose our motivation. So it's just important for, I think, to find a, another source of temporary motivation. And, um, you know, for me, it was the opportunity to write an e-book um, but I think what Dennis was saying too is to, to reach out, you know, find someone to connect with, talk to. Um, I had two mates today that, that uh, we had a video call on WhatsApp. They're, they're from, uh, from the US and I was actually supposed to be in Palm Springs this week 
spending time with them. So, and it's the first time we've spoken on the phone, uh, on a video chat for ages. I see them probably once a year, but I'm like, we've got to do this more often. We're all sitting in our offices, but we're just 10 minutes to, to ring each other once a week or once every couple of days is just a bit of banter, a bit of fun. So I really think that, um, you know, that, that reaching out to people and, and doing things like you did with Levi today are, are sensational. So I want to ask you, because this is, for me, I think this is my backbone. The, the word gratitude is something that absolutely, completely flipped my life around uh, like you wouldn't believe. So I'll, I'll tell you my relationship with gratitude in a minute, but what was the trigger or the moment or the situation that caused you to really value gratitude? Ah, look, mate, where do I start? Um, I think the um, – I was probably a little bit caught up, if I'm honest, mate, in um, money, trying to get more money and, yep. and trying to uh, earn more money to – I thought that that was going to be my, my saviour. Um, I thought that was yep. going to be the thing that uh, lets me live the life that I want to live. Um, yep. And I, I sort of soon realised that no matter what money we earn, we'll live to that expectation. We'll, you know, you give me five bucks, I'll spend five bucks. You give me two bucks, well, I'll spend two bucks, you know, and, and everything in between. Yep. And um, it probably wasn't until... So I'd probably say I was pretty fortunate to develop sort of gratitude at uh, about 23, 24, um, for, yeah. which for, for a young fella is, is something that um, probably doesn't come that early. Um, yeah, yeah. But when I, when I went out to Odyssey House for the, one of the first times, um, when I went to a hospital for the first time, you, you know, you sort of sit there and you, you walk into a hospital and you go and visit a young kid who's – four years of age and fighting for his life and you go in there and just see a smile and then you talk to the parents and they go like you don't understand how I, we haven't seen him smile for months we haven't seen and yeah. just the tears that come from their face the the emotion that comes out of them and you know I'm welling up as we talk about it but yeah. I um yeah it's um it's something that I'm you sort of just go wow like here I am upset about not getting picked for a game of footy. Um, yeah. Here I am getting $5,000 less on the contract because I, I couldn't negotiate well, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah. you sort of go, right, like, hang on a minute, i got so many great things um, in my life. I've, and, you know, you start to look at those things and I'll be the first to admit, mate, in the busyness of the world, we sometimes uh, forget gratitude and where yep. we forget the good things and yep. um, I'm sort of grateful for this virus because it's it's driven it back into me and um, yep. it was funny, mate, I'll be, probably a week ago I was freaking out. Yep. I was, right, I've got to go to Centrelink, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, what's my finances, oh, my God, I've got to sell this, I've got to get money, I've got to do this and, yep. and then I sort of stopped and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be okay. I'm, yep. I'm going to be okay. I've got... Yep a beautiful wife, I've got great friends and family, I've got people that care for me, I've got the ability to help others, I've got the ability to, um, you know, all jokes aside, mate, I'm drinking out of a bottle of water where I got water off the tap and, yeah. you know, contaminated water leads to 500,000 deaths a year. So yeah. I sit there and go, I'm pretty grateful for that water and that 
bottle right yeah. now, you know. Yeah. I'm grateful yeah. for the farmers to provide us food, you know. I'm, you know, yeah. like I sit there right now and go, you know what, as long as I can eat and I've got a roof over my head, yeah. I'm going all right, you know, and, and that's, that's, yeah, I, you know, and. Um, I love, I yeah. love, and the, the reason why I asked you about your gratitude is because I knew there was something strong emotionally that tied you to the importance of gratitude and because any time through the years I'll talk to someone who does practice gratitude there's generally a trigger of time in their life and it is still so strong to them emotionally that um that that makes them well up whenever they recall that situation and and I mean my one was years ago I think I was 26 or so I was a pretty good golfer a scratch golfer looking to turn pro and I had a back injury. I spent 15 months lying on the ground, told I'll never play sport ever again and I'll end up with a walking stick. And and I was obviously, as a 26-year-old athlete, I'm like, you've got to be joking. Like, that's that's not going to happen. So I had back surgery and I had back surgery on the morning of September 11. So yeah, wow. the September 11. And yeah. Late that night, I'm waking up, I'm in pain, I can't walk, and my mind is just going berserk with all the, the negative uh, outcomes of my situation. And then turn the TV on a couple of hours later and I see people jumping out of the buildings and I'm like, I'll be fine. Like, mm. whatever outcome I'm going to have, I'll be fine. And that, for me, completely changed my mind. And um, even now to, 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 to today, I remember it. I think it was about five or six years ago, I did some corporate high-performance work with, a, with a, uh, a company in Singapore. And every year, I would, I'd, every quarter, I'd go over there for a week, one week every quarter. And the first week I was there, it was just the boardroom from eight till six, um, working through their different, they've got 10 or 12 different businesses I was sort of working through, helping the CEO work through. And at the end of the week, I was just, one, so fatigued, but also so proud of what I did that week I sat there with a glass of wine and a cigar and just had a moment of gratitude for that opportunity and what, what went on that week. Mm. Now, whether this is good or not, I'm not sure, but every Friday night I sit out the back with a, uh, with a wine and a cigar and just go over my week at work and just have a, a good 60-minute gratitude session um, and sort of just the weekly review of, of, of what went on and for me, gratitude is one of the most important practices that, that we can all go through. And, you know, you as, a, as, as an elite athlete in the past, now a business person, um, we probably spend a huge amount of our day developing skill sets that are either physical um, or skill sets from a business point of view, but we may not spend that much time developing our own mental skill sets um, and as you say this this reboot program where you might be spending 30 minutes a day you know if you're spending I mean that might might add up to you know less than five percent ten percent of your time spent working on the mental component of yourself mm. but the return on investment that's going to have is way greater than the, the other 10 hours put, put together oh mate it's um it's funny I um I was speaking to a bloke today and I once heard uh, a guy say it. We, we're so worried, especially in men, um, we're yeah. so worried about the working on our physical six-pack. Well, why not work yeah. on our mental six-pack? And um, yeah. 
it was it was interesting. I sort of sit there and um, similar to you, mate. You write your you spend your sixty minutes at the end of the week. You know, every time, every day, every moment I come home, every day I spend. Yep. I write a gratitude journal, um, yep. and it's just three three good things that happen for the day. Um, yep. It's it's funny I, to tie it back to golf. Actually, we've um, we've got a, like a golf shot theory, and, and when you play golf, mate, and I've played golf with you. You still hit them all right. You <laughs> the, the lefty that you are, but um. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, we've been there, mate. I've, I've hit 100, but I still go in afterwards, have a drink after, you know, a water yeah. and, a, and a, a piece of cake, mate. And um, yeah. Yeah. I, I reminisce on the good drive or the good chip yeah. or the great putt. And I don't really care about my score at the end of the day. It's, yeah. and it's, and it's those things that bring me back to the golf course the next yeah. time. And yeah. Yeah. In, in life, though, we don't do that. At the end yeah. of the day, we come yeah. home and we go, oh, we didn't get that KPI. We didn't hit that meeting. We didn't hit that phone call. We didn't get sales. We didn't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And we often – so why would you be motivated to go back tomorrow? And I, I sit yeah. there and I go, why don't we sit there and go, yeah, okay, you know, I've, I've hit 100 and yeah. I'm concentrating on yeah. three of my shots and those three shots yeah. are bringing me back. And um that's yep. something that I've worked out and, you know, yep. they call it me one golf shot and I sort of go, yep. what's me one golf shot for the day? And um, just focus yep. on that because that, that's what's going to drive me and motivate me to yep. get up tomorrow and do it all again. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, so just to everyone that's following again, really appreciate everyone tuning in. If anyone's got a uh, – um, oh, Roscoe, why did you have to bring up the damn hole in one? My head was almost out of the picture then, so uh, – yeah, sorry. I have, I have been playing this stupid bloody game for over 26 years, most of it at a fairly decent level, and I've never had a hole-in-one. My first Instagram Live last week was with a professional client of mine. Um, we had Ace Cam. We went on a pass. We had the back here, and I was filming it, trying to – I've never had a hole-in-one. So um, you've got that, that's something you've, you've got up on me, mate, as well as playing in front of 100,000 at the G and wow. – um, What's been your highlight in your AFL career? The, the moment that you just, it was the one highlight or the couple of highlights? Yeah, it's probably hard to just have one. Um, yeah. My first game is always one I'll remember. Um, yeah. We got flogged by Geelong by about 60-something points, but um, just to run out at Eddie had at the time, it was called Telstra Dome, I think, at the time. Um, real. Um, so that's probably one that I'll never forget. Um, the Richmond final. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was just surreal and I'll, I'll never forget that and then probably my yeah. last game um, I was fortunate enough that the coach sort of gave me a, a sort of a farewell game up in Sydney and um, yeah. Buddy Franklin Buddy Franklin himself kicked a greater score than we did for the whole game um, yeah. but it was just it was just um, to be able to go out like that and um, have my wife surprise me and get there and be on the oval for me to be able to have the cheer squad that I'm forever grateful. There's some great people in the cheer squad that, um, that, um, yeah, we've got up there to celebrate my career and, and then yeah. to have uh, some really good mates around me to cheer off. Um, yeah, it was something that I won't forget either. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, mate, want to say thanks so much for jumping on. It's really great to sit and talk to you again. I know we haven't uh, seen each other for, for a few years, but, um, Really, uh, really proud of, of the transition that you've made from, from footy to business, mate. And really, 
I just could not highly recommend the stuff uh, that, that you're doing to others and um, that reboot program. Everyone jump on. Uh, uh, no doubt the link to that is in your bio on your Instagram account. Yeah, businessfireclub.co, mate, and just go to programs yeah. and you'll see it there. Um, yeah. You know, for, for $9.70 for 14 days, I think it's the best investment you can have. You know, it was originally, yeah. was originally $3 a day, but because we're in yeah. crisis and that, we wanted yeah. to to help yeah. out and give back to people and um you know yeah. same goes to you mate like keep doing what you're doing um because i learn a lot mate i, I watch I, I listen to your podcast i watch what you've done with roscoe mate i'm someone that uh stands over a wedge and goes i'm either chunking it or i'm skinnying it and you know what 100 percent of the time i'm right mate so um yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got to work on that side of things too but um yeah. Yeah, yeah like i said i think more people doing great things more people trying to help where they can um, we'll change this world bit by bit, mate. Nah, you're a legend, buddy. Great to see you. All the best, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting to you again soon. And um, and and as I said, jump on uh, the link in uh, in Dan's uh, account in his bio and um, businessflyclub.co and uh, get on to reboot. You will the best the best nine bucks seventy you'll ever spend in your life. So best uh, thanks, mate. Let's make Let's make sure we get out on that golf, golf course soon and I'll probably hit 120 now, mate, so be patient, all right? That's all right. We'll smile for every one of them, buddy, so good stuff. See you, great man. See you, mate. See you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. <laughs>